The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to transform your life. Welcome to Direct Connect Empowerment with your host, Fee Mazanke. Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke. Good afternoon and welcome to the show today. We focus on a subject that is so vital to consider for adolescents and teens because it's all about sex. Yes, you heard that correctly. Today's show is all about sex. But first, we begin with our boomerang effect moment. The boomerang effect states that what you put out in life is in direct proportion to what you get in return. It's our coaching concept that we kick off each show with. And today's boomerang has to do with honoring what's true in your heart and living in that truth. And this concept came forth for me to share on today's show for so many reasons. Um, There is so much discussion about the recent Bruce Jenner interview regarding his transition in life. And because our, our focus today is on sex, I felt it was a really important message to deliver. So regardless of what you believe, you must understand that the underlying issue here is not about male or female or gender at all, but really it's about truth. And Bruce Jenner, if you heard that interview, and I have um, a neighbor who I, I really went through this process with uh, several years ago, and it was really a similar story. Bruce Jenner denied and resisted the truth that lived deep in his heart his entire life. And, and now at age 65, he finally feels free enough to undergo this enormous undertaking of a sex change operation. It's not something that you take lightly by any stretch. That is his truth, and he can no longer resist that the truth, that truth, and and is therefore taking action to finally finally acknowledge that which is in his heart. So I ask all of you listeners out there, what truth lies in your heart that you're wanting to honor, or wanting to bring up for yourself? Take a step in the direction of honoring that for yourself and see how liberating it feels. I know that when I was working in the corporate world, I had deep in my heart, there existed a truth when I was working there and that I wanted to do something different beyond the work in the corporate world that I had. So eventually, I had that tugging at my heartstring for a couple of years and I, I did honor that truth and I found my passion in coaching. So that nagging or tugging or truth in your heart is what really can open the door to so many opportunities for you. So let's celebrate the truth in our lives this week and honor that for our own personal freedom. 
And today, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about a very important truth, and that is the truth about adolescence, teens, and sexuality. And I'm joined by my very special guest, Kim Cook. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, we're really, really happy to address such an important topic. And let me just kind of frame in Kim's background because she's got a great diverse background, which has led her to this really important path of her passion in her life. This is her truth. So Kim is an RN who delighted in caring for elementary school children, yet she desired to work with older children as well. And so one day on a whim, she Googled health education. Within the afternoon, much to her husband's bewilderment, she had enrolled at Northern Illinois University to begin her new destiny as a certified middle and high school health teacher. After hobnobbing for four years with remarkable educators and young adults also entering the field, she graduated with the satisfaction of a career well chosen. Earning her LGBT certification and minoring in psychology and eventually earning her certified health education specialist certification, she is well rounded in her academic knowledge base. I would certainly agree with that. However, and this is the really important um, however here, raising three really cool daughters has been an education that cannot be taught in the classroom. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, coolness runs in her family on her the maternal side of things. And this is how Teen World Confidential was born. It's a project that began in 2013 with the desire to offer medically accurate fact-based information about sexuality, health to adolescents and to the adults in their lives using a straightforward yet humorous approach. Addressing sexuality health is a sex positive, non-judgmental, in a sex positive, non-judgmental manner can help keep lines of communication open and build trust with young people. Using this information will inspire dialogue between adults and young people as well as inform about different aspects of sexuality health that may be unfamiliar. She believes in the philosophy that knowledge is power. The more information given, solid, medically accurate, honest information, the better informed choices kids will make. And this is something, Kim, as I have really emphatically expressed to you is that I believe in this concept so much because I think there is so much taboo or so much shame and guilt that is centered around this concept of sexuality and sexuality health, that we need someone like you, pioneers in the field like you, Kim, to step forth and take the taboo out of it and provide factual information to teach our young adults, our children, uh, adolescents, teens, young adults, and and their parents and the caregivers all along the way. So I'm so happy that you um, have paved this path for yourself and you found this truth within you. So we are really excited. So let's dive in, shall we? Yes, that's great. So how important is it to face and address these issues of sexuality with 
adolescents and teens. Give us some ideas and examples of what you have seen in working in, in this field now uh, that you feel uh, compelled to share this information. Well, you know, it's interesting. Historically, when I first became a nurse, or actually before that, when I was 19, I worked as a volunteer in Planned Parenthood. Being, an, uh, I was a health, uh, birth control educator. And I remember I had all kinds of women that came in looking for birth control, wanting information. However, I had a 12-year-old that once walked in looking for information, and I never forgot her. I graduated from nursing school, and I took care of a patient who was 19, and she was there to deliver baby number four. When I left 18 months later, she was there delivering baby number five. And you fast forward to times now to, you know, that was about 30 years ago to where we are now. And um, unfortunately, we still have very high pregnancy rates. In fact, we have one of the highest teen birth rates in, the, in any first world country. That, in fact, we have 10 times more pregnancies than um, teen pregnancies than, say, Switzerland does. We also have very high STI rates, sexually transmitted infection rates. We have 10 million young people aged 15 to 19 that will be diagnosed with an STI each year. That is half of the normal um, amount for everyone in, in, of all ages. So normally 20 million people are diagnosed with an STI each year. Half of those are only in the age group 15 to 19. So it seems like that even though you think in 30 years we'd really progress with their information, we really haven't. And now we have the added factor of identity issues, which is um, becoming more and more prevalent. Like you mentioned, Bruce Jenner, which had a wonderful interview the other night. Very well done. But now people are becoming more comfortable with their identity and expressing their identity. So it's really important that we can give information to teens and parents to empower individuals to make good choices to help help maintain their, um, their, that they're healthy physically as well as mentally and emotionally and socially. And those are astounding statistics. If you look at the numbers and how they haven't changed over 30 years, have they? In fact, they've probably gotten uh, increased, especially with the STI uh, numbers, I'm sure. And it just shows that this is a topic that really needs addressing. It's a topic that needs to be embraced, and it, it's a topic that needs truth. And that's why I think um, I was so excited to, you know, to meet you and speak with you about this way back in December. And then when I really considered what what are important topics to cover, um, timely topics, this one was really driving home for me. So let's dive in um, some further and get some more information from you. What would you say, Kim, is the ideal age to begin addressing topics about uh, sexuality health? How old is your child? <laughs> that would be my question. It's, there's, it's always an ideal age to address these topics. Um, in fact, when we talk about sexuality health, it's not just about um, having sex, you know, STIs and contraception. Sexuality health encompasses so much more. It's about relationships. It's about values. It's about decision-making and goals and, um, and identity. So these are all topics that come under the sexuality health education umbrella. So um, parents are educating their children about sexuality health 
and they don't even realize it. Merely by saying, where do you see yourself in the future? Um, what's important to you? All these things kind of go into a person's ideas on who they are as a person, and of course, part of their personhood is their sexual well-being. So um, the ideal age would be at birth, um, you know, while you're changing your baby's diaper, you start talking about, oh, you know, we're changing your, your diaper now, we're cleaning your penis. Yes, they don't understand. They don't have a clue what you're talking about, but you are practicing your words. You are practicing your communication skills so that when the child does become two or three, it's easy for you to talk about these things because you've been doing it since birth and they've been listening to it since birth. So as far as um, the ideal age of addressing issues, it's ongoing. Look for those teachable moments. Um, kids, when they're listening to, say, certain um, lyrics and music, you can stop and say, hey, they just said this. What does that mean to you? So, and then you can address healthy relationships, if that's what the topic is in the music. Um, you can always find out what they already know. You know, what do you know? What do you want to know? And this is what we can talk about today. So the ideal age to address these topics is every age. It just depends on the topic that you want to touch on that day. And I couldn't agree more. And what's really interesting about this concept is, and and my son is almost 21, my daughter is 17. And I remember when my son was eight years old, he had a good friend and his good friend had an older brother. And the topic of sex came up. And so it became a topic that needed to be addressed. And I felt so compelled And I felt it was so important to not get misinformation into the hands of my son. So we just, you know, fed him some, you know, spoon fed him some small bits of information to start. And because I wanted that information to be coming from me rather than from someone who was maybe 11 or 12, you know, somebody right. in that age range. And that was just really important for me to um, recognize and be aware of. And I think parents sometimes put blinders on around this and and especially this exposure to older siblings out there that have more information than the younger ones. And, you know, the information circulates. And obviously right now we're in a, an age where information is really easy to circulate. And so um, so that's why I think it, this is really an important uh, concept to talk about today. I agree. Let's- and you hit on a very important concept, too, as far as information. You know, when we were growing up, we didn't have the Internet. All we had were textbooks and what mom and dad said or the doctor or friends, you know, older siblings, now they have the internet. So we've got this whole new resource of information. And granted, there are some fabulous resources out there. And there are some not so fabulous resources out there. And it's hard for um, young people to really be able to discriminate what is good and what is not such great information. So we have this component as well that we have to address. Um, That's why my website I do, I very much promote. It's all medically accurate, scientifically based. I don't publish anything that's my opinion. And if I do, you know it's my opinion. Um, so it's, um, it's very important that they get accurate information. You're right. You, you really hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, how do you address the differences, males and females, re- regarding sexual relations and, and sexuality health? How, how do you address it differently between males and females? 
you know, I don't believe that I should address it differently. Mm-hmm. I believe that um, they need to hear the same, the same scenarios. They need to hear the same information. They need to get the exact same facts that the other gender is, is listening to. And by the way, now that I mentioned gender, I do want to make very clear that um, I very much understand there are many different identities. There's uh, male, female, intersex. There's gay, lesbian, um, transgender, bisexual. I respect all of those, and I actually educate to those as well. For the purpose of this interview, I am going to be using very heteronormative, as we call it, very male-female, just for the ease of this conversation. But for listeners out there who do identify as transgender or bisexual um, or um, whatever their identity is, I accept that, and um, I want to make very clear that this conversation also includes you. Um, but anyway, going back to the question, um, males and females, I don't, I would not address them any, any differently. I think that the girls need to hear what's going on with the guys. The guys need to hear what's going on with the girls. And honestly, it, the research is showing that if you have conversations about, you know, in front of the guys about what the gender expectations are of girls, what society is putting on girls, the guys are more respectful and they're less likely to take advantage of girls and vice versa. So the research is coming out that it is important to talk to both genders equally so that they understand um, what's going on in each of their lives and they're a bit more empathetic and more respectful. Sure. And there's such a strong emotional uh, component, generally speaking, um, if, if we speak to, you know, the gender uh, differences, girls having more of an emotional component you know, males having more of a physical component. And I think it's healthy for for each uh, gender to know that about one another, you know, that there's there's a real emotional component here that happens, especially if if sex is engaged in, you know, with someone that's very, you know, early on in their teens or young or, or whatever the case is. Um, and so I think those are really important facts to get out there. I would agree with you there. Yeah, I agree. I agree because males and females, um, there is an emotional component for both and physical for both, but you're right. They need to have a really good understanding of what each gender, you know, again, we're talking heteronormative um, sure. terminology here, but what each gender is feeling. So you're absolutely correct. It needs to be open so that we get each other. No secrets. Yeah. Yeah, no secrets at all. And I think that provides a really healthy foundation as these children get into or teens get into a very sexually active time in their lives. Let's give them a good foundation for that, for sure. Yes. Um, What do you consider, before we, we've got two minutes before break, what do you consider, Kim, the, the most important topics to cover with adolescents and teens? Well, being an educator, I think they're all equally important. However, I think primarily we need to start with things like love, values, being sexually responsible, and, of course, abstinence. Even though I'm a proponent of teaching uh, comprehensive sex ed, abstinence is part of it. It's the only 100% way to prevent um, STIs and pregnancy. So these are all things that are very important topics to cover. And, of course, once they have the, the main um, concept of values and relationships and love and being sexually responsible, then it's easier than to go into, you know, the, 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 I don't know, I guess you can call the deep and dirty topics of STIs and birth control and having sex and all that. But we've got to get in with the values and the relationship aspect as well, too. Yeah, and what a what a great way to as again as parents to really uh, 
formulate that first before they're getting this education in school, either middle school or high school, uh, wherever they're getting their, their, you know, their primary factual information to uh, bring forth the idea of love and values first, uh, yes. bef- you know, before, and again, forming that great foundation, um, you know, before you go into all the, uh, as you said, the, the, you know, the hot topics and the, the ones that push buttons there. Yes. Well, we, we are going to take our first break and we will be right back. If you have questions for Kim, please give us a call um, because this, again, I think is a really important topic. So we'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com. Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+, and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithFee, that's F-I dot com, and find out more today. Because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment. And welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Kim Cook about sexuality health. And Kim, let's talk a little bit about a timeline of What topics to introduce when, especially about this idea before break where you were talking about teaching love and values and being sexually responsible uh, and abstinence as well. Let's talk about the the sexual responsibility part and what topics you introduce when. Well, um, as far as the sexual topics, we kind of hit it early. When you're talking about, well, you hit the reproductive system with students when they're probably late elementary school, so they've got a pretty good idea of what's going on physically. Um, But then you start hitting on the sexual health issues, probably about sixth, seventh grade is when we typically see that in the schools. 
And that's when you can start addressing um, different identities, um, how, you know, not everybody has a mommy and a daddy. Those are important. You can start talking about, um, of course, then the sexual orientation. What influences identity or gender roles? And um, then you can start talking about they are ready to hear about what STIs are, HIV, how can you prevent it? And actually, by the end of eighth grade, they really should know how to put on a condom, which I know sounds kind of crazy for a lot of uh, young people, but it's information they got to know before they're having sex, not after. And um, so they need to know ahead of time. And then when they get into high school, of course, that's when you can really hit a lot of this a lot harder. You can go a lot deeper into the STIs, what they are, how to prevent them, what they look like, HIV as well, and then uh, birth control methods. Uh, when you're talking solely about sex, you know, talk, talking about birth control methods, what the options are, how effective they are, where you can get them. So those are kind of the topics that you introduce in the middle and high school levels. And one of the things that I can share with all of the listeners out there and with you, Kim, is that I've coached people over the past more than 15 years now. And this is something that has come up with clients more than I can tell you. Um, really? You know, contracting, uh, you know, STIs and, and um, some of the things that happened when they, you know, they, the clients, uh, were younger and what they had to experience and, and, the, and the, just the pure difficulty of the experience and really not knowing where to go, who to turn to, what to do about it. There was just, there's just a lot of shame, guilt, fear that's associated with it, especially for teens. And more often than not, more often than not, for people as adults, as I coach them, this comes up as a topic. So it's very interesting. That's why I'm, I'm so compelled and I felt very, um, very passionate about bringing you onto the show because I know looking back from my clients' perspectives, I know looking at these people when they were younger and some of the, the, the pain and suffering that they you know, incurred as a result of what they had to go through, whatever it may be. And I think if we as adults and educated adults can come in and say, hey, here are ways to do this to give greater information or to provide a place for teens to go to or adolescents to go to about these topics. I feel it's a really healthy way to do things. I agree. And um, we're lucky that there are facilities out there that address this and that there are some great websites and great educators, but how do we communicate this to the kids? You know, they don't know, and parents too. We don't always know where these resources are, and we might get word of mouth from a friend, hey, you know, I think I might have an STI. What do I do? Where do I go? But you really want, and they might have good information and they might not. We don't know, but um, we need to make sure that young people do have access to this information, that that they are aware of what's out there and that they have the really good information that they need, especially when it comes to STIs, because it is it's so common. It's so common. Sure, sure. Now let's uh, talk about when you find it appropriate uh, to bring humor into the discussion of sex and how do you bridge that gap with humor? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny about humor. Um, if you ever go on my website, I try to write fairly funny posts, I'm trying to kind of um, take some of the stress away, some of the um, 
add a little levity to the situation because I think a lot of parents are a little nervous about talking about it. And I know uh, young people can be nervous talking to about it with their parents and maybe other trusted adults. So using humor can kind of break that, um, break that intensity a little bit and make you realize, you know what, hey, we're all in this together. It's not that big a deal. Let's just kind of take a deep breath and move forward and talk about this. Um, the only thing with humor is you, you, you do use it also to engage people, not just to increase levity, but also to engage people because sometimes when you're sitting, like I've witnessed classes where it's very serious and we're talking about sex and I demand complete respect and you can only use um, anatomically appropriate words, you know. But, you know, that's not really the language kids use sometimes. And sometimes if you let them express themselves in the way that they're familiar and you can kind of, you know, make light of certain situations. They're more willing to listen and take you for real. You know, they kind of listen and go, oh, yeah, you know, she, she's not this higher-up person who's talking down to me. She gets it. So I think it's important to use humor in that regard. However, if it doesn't come naturally to you, don't do it because they're going to see right through it. But it is, it is a good idea to use some humor. Um, but I will say, if, a, if one of your kids comes up to you and has a question, keep in mind that it probably wasn't very easy for them to come up to you and talk, or they might feel really uncomfortable, and that might not be the time to add humor. That might not be the funniest time to kind of laugh at their question. So, and, and you also never want to laugh at a child. Um, you may think you're laughing with them, but think, you know, you've got to be very concerned. There is a there is a fine line as far as humor. But I think for the most part, you know, we, we joke around with our kids. We kind of play around with them. You know, laugh it off. Say, hey, you know what? This is a normal part of life, and let's just talk about it. So can you give us an example, Kim, of something that you have addressed and how you've added humor to kind of bring that levity to the subject? Well, my blog is geared for parents, so a lot of times I'll write about um, the rolling eyeballs, you know, and I'll talk about how, yeah, I know, you know, you're talking to your kids and their eyeballs are rolling in their head, and, you know, so for adults, I try to do that so they don't think, oh, my kid's the only kid that, you know, they're not listening, they're, they, they don't care, they think I'm stupid, they think I'm dumb, so I try and bring a little, bre- uh, little levity into as far as being a parent, yeah, I get it, you know, and it's not you, it's them. So, you know, I try and, and try to make the situation a little bit lighter for the parents, you know, when they're dealing with their own kids so that they realize it's, it's all good. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Just keep pressing forward. It'll, it'll be fine. And, and I go back to the song lyrics because if any parent has listened to songs of late, there's a lot mm-hmm. of lyrics in the songs that really can kind of knock your socks off. And, mm-hmm. But, they're, you know, sometimes they're, they're rough and aggressive and blatant and sometimes they're, you know, they're funny and, and, you know, so it just all depends. But this is what our children are exposed to right now. Um, they are listening to this type of thing. So I think, again, it's really important to um, to understand and know and have greater awareness that all of this information is out there and you might as well, you might as well give them factual, medically accurate information when you can. Yeah, and, you know, that's another opportunity to use humor. If your kids are listening to... My kids are out of the house, so I'm not listening to the same music as young people are right now, but I have heard lyrics that I have not necessarily approved of. 
and I'll just start going, what? What is he talking about? Oh, my gosh, you know, and start kind of making fun of the lyrics and going, what do you guys think of that? Is this really what you think, you know? So that's another way to in, uh, introduce a conversation or try and be funny about it without making them feel insulted too much about their music. You're just kind of laughing at it, you know, so there are ways you can introduce that too, but you're right, music lyrics, I think we have to be, I, I do worry about what is being um, presented to our kids about what's okay when it comes to women and sexuality and issues like that. I, I, I am a little concerned sometimes about what's going on in that realm. Yeah, it's, it's out there. Let's just be, let's be honest about it. It really is out there. Kim, what is your hope in bringing this message forward? What do you see as kind of the vision of uh, bringing this, this information forward in such a medically accurate, informative way? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked. Basically, my mission, I have like a little mission statement. It's, it's just basically to spark, to spark respectful, non-judgmental conversation between youth and the adults in their lives. Um, if you use medically accurate information um, in a very sex-positive manner, it makes it easier to talk to your kids. You have that information. You're armed with the information. Um, they're going to be shocked when you come out and start talking about, you know, the different rates of STI. You know, oh my, how am I, oh, my gosh, how does my mom know that? You know, so there, you know, there's going to be information on there that your kids are going to be really surprised that you know. But this information will empower the parents, the adults, the doctors, the nurses, whoever, whatever adults are in their lives, to talk to these kids in a very, um, in a very non-judgmental, sex-positive way because they've got the facts. They know the information. This, in turn, will empower kids once they have this information and once they incorporate it with their values to make up little what we call sex rules for themselves, you know, little ways that they can um, empower themselves when they are, are ready to make decisions about sexual health. So um, the, I'm, the point of my project, the point of my message is to give information so that people can take that information and make really good decisions for themselves so that they can remain healthy, both physically, mentally, emotionally, as well as socially. Yeah, how wonderful is that? Let's have healthy attitudes and healthy uh, healthy values around sexuality because you know, there's so much there's so much shame that comes with sex and especially if it's not addressed, if it's not brought forth, if it's hidden, I think that causes greater shame. So, what can you what do you say Kim that we can do as a society to begin to change that attitude. I think you're 100% correct. Once we take the shame out of sex, we can start building a healthier population. We can make sure that, kids, uh, that all individuals, not just young people, but this goes along with adults as well, can make better choices about their sexual health. So I think primarily is conversation. You know, once we get this information, we can start talking about it in a comfortable manner that it becomes not oh, my God, my mom's having to talk with me tonight. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? It's been an ongoing conversation, that it's not shameful. Guess what? People have sex, you know. They may choose it at 15. They may choose it at 55. doesn't matter. They're probably going to have sex. It's normal. That's the way we were designed. So we have the conversation and the acceptance that people are going to have sex. That's going to help take the shame out of it. So if you, if you speak the truth about sex, I think it will take the shame out of sex. The more we talk about it, the easier it will get. 
And I love going back to the Bruce Jenner. You know, we have a lot of shame um, that's associated with identity. When people identify as um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, we, we're, we're learning now more and more that um, they're becoming more comfortable identifying who they are, that they're comfortable in their skins, and I love that. I love that we're talking about it more, and people are, are having less conversation about the negative negativity of it, but the positivity of it, that it's all good. In fact, today, the Supreme Court is deciding to make um, whether or not they're going to make gay marriage uh, legal across the nation, and so this is a great conversation piece today. We can educate our kids and have this conversation today. Did you hear on the news? This is what happened today. Great conversation starter to take the shame out of that because you don't know. What if you have a, a child that identifies as LGBT? They don't know. They want to come out to you, but they don't know. They don't know how you're going to feel, how you're going to react. It's really important to have these conversations to take the shame out of not just sex, but identity as well. Well, I, I agree with that. And what's an intra, this is what I did, not, not by anyone describing it or explaining it to me or giving me the idea, but I, as my children were growing up, it was important for me to teach them the value of acceptance no matter what. And so this may be a good idea for people out there uh, with younger children, but we played the game of life all the time. And instead of making the assumption of having a heterosexual couple in the little car on the game Mm -hmm. of life, I gave my children a choice. And I said, would you like a pink peg or a blue peg or two pinks or two blues? So it became, through the playing of the game, the underlying message to my children was, acceptance. And whether or not they got it or it took them longer to get it, you know, it, 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 I just wanted them to have a choice and know that those are choices. You can have two mommies, you can have two daddies. So what would you choose? And what? that was kind of an interesting, I, it was just a very inspired idea while my kids were um, growing up about what to do and how to handle that. That's fantastic. What a great idea. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're not sitting around playing the game of life now. I mean, we're as I, my son's 21 in college and my daughter's about to go to college. And so, you know, we, we play the game of life literally. And so it becomes, you know, ongoing uh, discussions, especially if people are out there, listeners out there have children going off to college. It becomes a whole... Um, greater, more open perspective once students go away to college because there's just a whole nother level of, um, you know, of heterosexual or homosexual behaviors that are uh, displayed in college. It's just uh, much more open. Well, you're right about that. In fact, that's how I ended up getting my LGBT certification. When I went off to school, I was older, 45, and I, you know, was a soccer mom, whatever. As far as the LGBT population went, I didn't really know anybody who was gay. I had a couple of cousins, but it really wasn't in my world. Well, then I went off to college, and all of a sudden, I became really close friends with a couple of people who identified as LGBT, and I, I started thinking, wow, you know what? I really need to get on board and see what this is all about and learn about it. And um, as I did, I realized that 
you know, this is a really great thing. It's, it's so prevalent out there, and we need to make sure that people are accepting of um, LGBT individuals and that it's, um, that it's really supported and that we um, encourage people to be who they are, who they're comfortable with, because it's just silly not to be. So it's true. Once you get into college, even at the ripe old age of 45, you do see a whole other world out there, and it's really eye-opening. So it is great to have these conversations with your young people before they head off to college if they haven't been exposed to um, many LGBT uh, people. So I'm betting a buck that they have been, that they're actually friends with many who do identify as such. Sure. And we've got to take another short break. We'll be right back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+, and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithFee, that's F-I dot com, and find out more today. Because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment. And we're talking with Kim Cook about sex today. And um, Kim, let's talk a little bit about what our children know about sex because I think parents need to understand how knowledgeable and how much information kids have or misinformation kids kids have these days. Yeah, what do kids know about sex? Well, they know more than we think they know, but they know less than they think they know. In other words, um, we think that our heads are in the sand, I think, sometimes. We don't realize exactly what the kids know, that they, that they have a lot more information. They're exposed to a lot more stuff than we realize. 
but yet what they think they know is not always accurate. So they think they know this stuff, but it's not actually true and accurate, and they have a lot of misbeliefs, and we need to be that person to kind of correct them to make sure that they have accurate information. When you think about their resources for information, we're looking at media, which includes TV and music and movies, um, and now social media and the Internet. Like we mentioned before, not always, it's not always um, accurate, and we don't really know where they're getting their information. Or pornography, that's another one where kids will look at that and they think that's what's normal about having sex. That's how people always have sex. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not reality. So um, we need to make sure that they, they get the real information. And, um, you know, when they see things like couples, um, they're going out on a first date. This isn't a movie. They're going out on a first date and it ends in sex. It's not really reality for a lot of people. It might be for some, but maybe not for others. And we need to have that conversation for them about your values and relationships and love and what's important to you. So um, they probably don't know. They think they know more than they really do. Sure. And can you give us an example of misinformation that, that kids might have in their hands or in their minds about something that they're misinformed about. I think that's important for us to know, too. Well, that's interesting you ask that. Um, I had the opportunity to um, be one of, a pre- one of the presenters at a high school health fair. And um, what I did was, you know, they had to go through and get their pay- paper stamped. So I thought, ooh, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and ask them questions about what they want to know about sex. And then when they do that, they can get their stamp. So I've compiled all the information. It was really interesting, some of the things that they brought up. Um, They want to know, what is the worst that can happen when you have sex? What is a healthy time to have sex? Is it weird to be scared of having sex? And what's the average age somebody loses their virginity? So these are things, I mean, kids want to know this stuff. One question is, why aren't parents more open with their kids about sex? How does it work? How do you deal with sexual relationship pressure? And, oh, here's a good one. How many times do you have to take birth control? So they, they have a lot of questions, and those are just a few out of maybe, you know, 200 um, pieces of information that I have. So they, they are asking questions. They want to know basic stuff. You know, um, they want to know about STIs. How do you prevent them? They want to know about um, uh, birth control. And they want to know, is it normal? Am I normal? You know, so there's a lot of stuff that they really would like to know that we need to deal with. And a lot of this stuff, yes, they will discover on their own as they grow up and fall in love, and that's half the fun of having a relationship. But some of this stuff, we can't educate them. So it's really important that we do get more comprehensive sex ed in the school so that we can have at least that as one resource. Sure, sure. And those are some great question that, questions that these students are asking about. And obviously, it shows, I mean, that survey uh, shows how much, how important information is to these students and how important this is to get inf- correct information out to the students. And again, I think if we look at the overarching um, mission here as, as ha- being informed so that uh, you know, children and teens can be more empowered with sexuality health, that it's just such a wonderful um, place to be and a wonderful way to, you know, to uh, bring that, that shame out of uh, sex. One side note, I, this was a few years back, um, there was a discussion at a 
breakfast or lunch table. And um, this was among women that were mid-40s-ish. And the average age, because the topic of sexuality came up, and the average age of women losing their virginity was 15. And so this was people that were my age that we were talking about it and and so as people went around the table that's what came up and the average age was 15 and so i think again as parents having having um you know children that are entering that age range this is important for you to understand it's probably even earlier than that now i mean this was a few years back among women that were in their 40s but mm-hmm. um yeah I, I you know it was a great little kind of a uh just a really quick hey let's talk about this and and see what the average age was and it was you know it was 15 so yeah, that is very interesting. It makes you realize these conversations when we talk about eighth graders um, needing to know how to put on a condom by the end of eighth grade, they're not kidding. There's a reason they're telling these youth this because they're 15, what, in ninth grade, 10th grade, they need to know how to use a condom. Sure, sure. Now, children, uh, teens have accessibility. All of them have accessibility to pornographic sex um, with their cell phones. And it's certainly something that I know, again, several years ago, gosh, it's probably been almost eight years ago, we, I was having conversation with some friends of mine who were parents who on the, on the bus, a fourth grader had access to um, pornographic um, sexual and you know uh, pictures and and videos and he was sharing it with with my friend's son so obviously that was really important for them to address because it was kind of a shocking um video that a fourth grader and what are you in fourth grade nine years old that you know that a fourth grader saw so what dialogue needs to happen now to combat that i mean we've got this access some of the access is in some cases um not real you know doesn't hold the value system that uh that really needs to be out there talking about sex so what what dialogue needs to happen now to create these healthy attitudes about sex yeah, that's great. And and when you're talking about um, cell phones and pornographic sex, not just watching, you know, sex actors doing it, but you've got now sexting, which is a real problem. So, yeah, you know, as we talked about before, the whole values, respect, healthy relationships, those conversations, they take place starting from day one. I mean, you talk about um, your friends and you talk about who's good to hang around and what's important and and who are the people that um, matter to you and how would you treat other people. And, And it progresses until you get to this point of, how do you value your body and how do others value your body? Is somebody asking you to send these pictures? You know, do you need to see this? What? And you need to have these conversations ongoing so that when they get to this point where they're exposed to porn- pornographic images or sexting, whatever it is, they realize this is not something that I need to be looking at right now. This is not something that's right and shut it off and shut it down. It's easier said than done. I mean, we know that kids are curious. They're going to explore. Um, they they want to, they kind of want to see what this is all about. But again, in fourth grade, seeing an image like that, that is not something you're going to forget. And that right. is awfully young. So 
the conversation about respect and healthy relationships and, and even what sex is, this is what people do, but you don't need to be seeing it, you know, in that regard. It's just conversation, but you don't want to shame the child. How dare you look at that? You know, that's, it was normal curiosity. You just need to ha- use it as a teaching moment. Yeah, and I think that's the real important um, factor here, Kim, is using that, uh, taking any shame uh, or guilt out of that and, and not, bringing, not bringing some of the, you know, old kind of old ways, old uh, language to it, but really just being open to saying, yeah, this is, this is out there. And obviously middle schools, we see things all the time now about middle school aged children doing a lot of sexting. And that's, this is, I think, a really, um, really important time frame for middle schoolers to understand how to value their bodies and not not try to gain attention from the you know the opposite sex by yes. doing you know things such as that because obviously there's an attention factor there but the long term negative impact that that may have it, you know it it could cause and create some real difficulty in that person's life yes definitely so how do you talk about important boundaries regarding sex? Well, I think this goes twofold. First of all, we have to set up um, boundaries with our parents. Um, Being a parent and having children, we need to set up boundaries so that um, kids know that we mean business, that we're looking out for them. You know, no party is during the week, and if you have a party, is there an adult present? And all these rules that we hear about, um, no alcohol, an adult's always present. Where are you going? When are you going to be home? What's your curfew? And making sure that kids are busy after school, that they have activities that they can enjoy after school to kind of help, as we say, keep them out of trouble. So once they have that in place, that they know mom and dad are kind of watching them, um, we need to make sure that they understand that when it comes to their personal boundaries about sex, that they have, that they're comfortable with comfortable enough with their partners to have conversations that include things like, how are we going to protect ourselves from having an STI? What kind of birth control are we going to use before we start having sex? What am I going to do if I get pregnant? You know, and they need to make sure they have these conversations beforehand. They also need to decide how far they want to take their relationship physically before they get to the heat of the moment. You know, they need to decide when they're sitting there having a peanut butter sandwich thinking, hmm, where do I see myself in a few years and how am I going to get there and how can I make sure that I get there in a safe way? Gosh, you know, when, when, when my partner wants to do this with me, maybe that's not such a good idea. I need to remember that when we're in the heat of the moment. So we need to encourage that self-conversation with them so that they understand, you know, where their own limits are, so that when they get to the heat of the moment, they can say, no, stop, you know, I'm, I'm good here. So um, it's kind of a twofold. The information they get from mom and dad with boundaries, and then they kind of take that and internalize that and go, okay, now where do I see myself? I think that's a good way for them to start setting boundaries within themselves. Yeah, really great, great concepts and ideas there. Uh, we've got to wrap up here, but before we do, Kim, I just want to get to the listeners uh, talking about uh, your upcoming book, which is called Sex Rules, and then how the listeners can uh, get to your blog. So if you can just kind of combine that before we wrap, that would be great. Sure. 
Sure. Um, yeah, thank you for allowing me to talk about it. Yes, I have a book in the works right now called Sex Rules, Know the Facts to Make the Rules, and What are Your Rules? So the premise of the book, and I'm working in it with, in cahoots with my business partner, Pam Worth, um, we are writing this book about giving kids the facts and using the national uh, sexuality education standards that it were set forth about two years ago. And these are things that kids need to know by a certain age time frame. So we're, we're gearing it for 8th to 12th graders. And the information that they learn in this book, they have an opportunity then to incorporate their own values and their own perspective and their own goals and come up with their own personal, quote, sex rules, what's going to work for them. So that, like we said before, when they're heat of the moment, they know exactly what they're going to do. Um, so that's the premise of the book, and it's a visual book, and it's something that we hope will engage uh, students as well as teachers and even physicians, because we found that physicians are not speaking with their young people about sex. In average, only two-thirds of doctors talk to their kids, and they only spend an average of 36 seconds having the sex talk with their patients. So this would be another way to incorporate um, conversation into a clinical visit. Now, as far as getting in touch with me, um, you can contact me. The name of my, my program is Teen World Confidential. So they can get in touch with me um, for speaking engagements at teenworldconfidential at gmail.com. They can follow me on Twitter at TWconfidential. They can also follow me on Facebook, Teen World Confidential. I bet you can't guess the name of my program is Teen World Confidential. <laughs> I've mentioned that a few times. Um, and that's how they can get in touch with me. And I would love to talk to anybody who's interested. And we can set up, if they would like me to come speak to their youth, to the parents or to youth and parents together, that would be fantastic. All right. Well, we are out of time. Thanks so much, Kim. It's been really informative. And I want to wish all of our listeners a very inspired week. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment. Fima Zanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.